0: This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at dcaureview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Five young fighters drawn from the corners of the universe. When they band together, they become the world's most superb fighting force and take on the Earth's toughest challenges. Like finding the remote control. How could you lose the remote? What makes you so sure I lost it? Cartoon Network presents Starfire. You must meet my friends. Cyborg. Oh yeah! Back in the lead. Beast Boy. Yo, whose turn to do dishes? Raven. This party is pointless. Everything's pointless. I wanna go talk about it. And Robin, loser, the jerk. What, what did you say? In a new series about fighting for truth, go. justice, and the last slice of pizza. Go. Tall Titans. Go. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 177 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, and the man that runs our Twitter account. It is Liam. Liam Welcome to episode 177 of the DCAU Review, our final week in our month of Elseworlds episodes that we are covering uh, for the year 2021, wrapping up our Elseworlds Villains Month. And as we announced last week, uh, we got a pretty special one today. That is right. Uh, Somehow we've gotten to uh, 177 episodes of this show, our show without talking about uh, one of the, the most iconic DC animated projects that there is, and certainly one that's very, very special to, uh, to me in particular, um, that being the Teen Titans animated series that uh, began in 2003. And, and uh, yeah, we're, we're kicking, uh, we're finishing off Villains Month with a look at the first episode to air of that show, Final Exam. There we go. And uh, we'll get into the show a little bit here, Liam. As you mentioned, uh, this was running uh, simultaneously with a guest, Justice League Unlimited. Uh, So there was some some uh, dueling of the two shows, both on Cartoon Network, of course. And uh, remember, this was originally uh, there was some speculation uh, before this aired whether or not it was going to take place in the uh, in the DCAU. Um, obviously uh, that's still somewhat can be debated I suppose I know there are people that are able to jam this into dCAU continuity yeah. somehow but generally speaking not considered to be main dCAU continuity here which is why we are covering it in our else worlds month here but uh, there are definitely some dCAU connections as we will talk about not only in some of the the voice cast obviously robin being a character that uh, that is covered in in several of the Batman uh, DCAU cartoons that we have covered so far. But uh, also, uh, one of the executive producers, uh, Mr. Glenn Murakami, uh, uh, definitely has his roots also in uh, in the DCAU itself. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Glenn Murakami, of course, was a producer on Batman Beyond and, and Justice League, first season of Justice League as well as uh, working as an art director and storyboard artist, character designer on Superman, and even going all the way back to the original Batman the Animated Series. So, yes, a long-tenured member of, his, uh, of the, the DCAU uh, production staff. Uh, this is sort of the first example of what a lot of those folks would go on to do, some, similarly to what uh, James Tucker went on to do with Batman the Brave and the Bold some of his other various DC animated projects. This was uh, Glenn Murakami's first sort of big, you know, showrunner head producer uh, show uh, that he he helmed along with uh, David Slack and and Sam Register, Linda Steiner, um, and Bruce Tim. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we went on the air, Cal. Bruce Tim is credited as a producer on this show uh, for the first two seasons, although my understanding. And I couldn't find an exact quote to back this up when I was doing my research, but I'm I'm reasonably certain that uh, his name was more just there in the when it got in when it was part of like the pitch phase. He sort of attached his name to it to help the show get off the ground, as it were, and and get sold and uh, to Cartoon Network and and eventually Kids WB. But he was not actively involved with it. But obviously, Glenn Murakami being one of the one of the uh, Bruce Tim protégés uh that that obviously he his influence is still felt despite the fact that this show really does immediately strike out on its own from anything we've seen before in the in the main dcau yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, its its own style of animation, as we'll get into once we get into the, uh, the visuals here in our main category. But, uh, Liam, before we get into those main categories, we, of course, have the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode. And uh, this episode, as mentioned, aired back in July, on July 19th. 2003 meaning we just passed the 18 year anniversary of this episode debuting yep it's official uh this uh it's officially an adult this uh this episode can vote now liam so uh yeah makes you feel old uh, doesn't it a little bit that and uh, all the gray hairs i see when i'm uh, looking in the mirror but uh, yeah uh, as we, uh, as you said, Cal, we will get the official IMDb synopsis for Final Exam, which was written by Rob Hoagie, directed by Michael Chang, with music by Michael McQuistian and animation by Dong Wu. And that synopsis reads as such, Slade hires the newest graduates of the Hive to take on the Teen Titans. All right, short but sweet. Yeah, pretty accurate. Um, And that's something we can get into as we get into our plot here is that uh, especially I think a lot of the episodes in this first season of Teen Titans, but this one maybe being the greatest example of it, it really, it's got a real frenetic, like fast paced energy. And there's not really, there's no like B or C plots to it. So we're just, we're kind of right off to the races and it's, it's a lot of punching, you know, it's a lot of. A lot of action, a lot of fun stuff. I certainly, like you said, that we'll get into in the visuals and animation section. But as far as the episode goes, yeah, we, we kick off with a, a video sort of uh, displaying the powers of this trio of Hive students, Jinx, Gizmo, and Mammoth. The Hive Academy for Extraordinary Young People is proud to introduce this year's top graduates. Gizmo. The boy genius whose intellect can conquer any problem with an inventive solution. Jinx, the enchanting sorceress whose powerful hexes mean bad luck for her enemies. And Mammoth, the genetically enhanced giant whose unstoppable strength speaks for itself. Well-organized, highly trained, and combat-equipped. These new Hive agents are the perfect fighting force. Uh, And they're being introduced to the main villain of the piece, Slade, who, just so we're clear on these arbitrary rules that we set for ourselves, we did talk about Deathstroke, when we reviewed Batman the adventures continues season 1 and so therefore he qualified to be in this elseworlds villain month so there <laughs> yeah yeah we 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 must we must <laughs> adhere to the arbitrary rules that we are making up <laughs> on the spot. So, uh, yeah, we uh, we are following the rules here. But yeah, so slate as a and, and fun fun factoid for those that aren't maybe familiar with the the Teen Titans show. Uh, I think we believe we mentioned it last week uh, when we were previewing this week's episode. But uh, Cartoon Network standards, or perhaps just the showrunners themselves, uh, decided that Deathstroke was not uh, appropriate for the young age that this show was geared towards I guess the word death and stroke uh, being combined was a little bit too vicious so uh, they went with his uh, obviously Slade Wilson is his alter ego so going with the name Slade which does in effect sound still very menacing um, especially the way that it's repeated several times but uh, maybe not quite as menacing as as death stroke is though (laughs) yeah, it it doesn't look as good on like a comic book cover, but it's uh yeah, it's still effective and and ominous, and we'll certainly get into that in in voice acting later on. but but yeah, we get we get the hive being introduced to him as sort of potential new henchmen and uh, he tells them that uh, if if they want to work for him, they they will start by destroying the teen Titans. And uh, that's uh, sort of where we where we kick off what is really, as I said, the only through plot the only really plot of the episode uh you know the titans are arguing we see the titans tower they're sort of introduced at this sort of dysfunctional family and i guess we should note here i think i may have even mentioned this last week cal but so the the first episode in production order is divide and conquer which is an episode that actually aired third in the series um but this is the first one to actually air and i thought this was a better representation of of the Slade character and some of the villains, it just I think it works better as a pilot than that other episode does. That one is much more focused on on Robin and Cyborg uh, only. So this is it's really interesting because they just throw us right into it. You know, the the, the Titans are sort of introduced to this dysfunctional family, they're arguing over, you know, the TV remote and and whatever, and then in the midst of uh, trying to find a snack, Starfire uh, shoots. A piece of moldy food, and in light of making a mess, they decide to go out for pizza. <laughs> right, yeah. So, uh, it, it, that, that, of course, is what we've always talked about as hard hitting, deep uh, thoughts <laughs> here is so, you know, what do you do when you cannot find the remote and your, all of your food is covered in blue mold? You go out for pizza. Uh, and we're so yeah. It's it's used as a way to sort of introduce the characters here. So uh, you obviously you have you have Star Sapphire or not Star Sapphire. We have Starfire who is uh who is certainly the just the innocent sweet uh, character that is oblivious to how she says things, the way that she says things, and uses uh, the the English language. So uh, just adorably innocent is her is her character. Then we have. Raven, of course, who is the dark, ominous, brooding character and, and emo kid, uh, if, if mm-hmm. I had to bet. Uh, then you have comic relief that sort of split up between not so much in this episode, but split between Cyborg and Beast Boy. Uh, Beast Boy, a little bit heavier on the comedic side. And uh, he we learn, of course, in this episode that he's vegan. Uh, so he uh, he's he's not a meat eater as he and he and Cyborg have an argument over what toppings they're going to put on the pizza. And uh, <laughs> it's at this point that uh, he admits that he's been most of the animals that would be on a meat lovers pizza. So he, he doesn't feel comfortable doing that. And then Robin is sort of the de facto leader, uh, although Cyborg, I would say, uh, displays leadership categories as well throughout the episode and then uh, throughout the series. But uh, they are interrupted uh, before they're able to fully uh, enjoy their meal by a a, uh, a baby that is stuck in a baby carriage in the old classic uh, tr- trope, the baby carriage stuck out in the middle of the road and a runaway bus. And uh, as, they, uh, as they go to stop the bus, uh, they realize that there is no driver on the bus, and uh, there's also no baby in the carriage, and wouldn't you know it, Liam, it's a trap set by... <laughs> None other than the hive themselves, who we were briefly introduced to at the beginning of the episode, uh, that being Gizmo, Jinx and Mammoth, uh, who have set this trap in order to attempt to uh, do away with the Titans, as it were. Buses normally have drivers? And don't baby carriages normally have babies? Are you pit sniffers normally this stupid? Ah! <laughs> that was too easy. What a bunch of kludge heads. You guys want to get pizza? This isn't over! We're just getting started. Who are these guys? And what's a clutch head? We are the Hive. Your worst nightmare. And this is Attack Pattern Alpha. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the, the more... Uh, that's sort of the rest of the episode from there, almost. they They have this fight, and I think the idea that they're trying to go for is that the, they show very early on that the Hive are very well-trained they're calling out the uh, attack patterns with certain names and they're sort of pairing off in, in interesting ways and sort of, you know, using the Titans weaknesses against them. And, and they're, they're just sort of the Titans seem sort of overmatched and they're caught off guard and they can't really get anything going because they're, they keep being sort of cut off and, 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 you know, two of them get knocked down and one of them's trying to face off with the others. And then the second hive member comes in to distract him and, that's, uh, that's sort of illustrated as, as they're getting beat up. Uh, S- Cyborg has a rocket strapped to his back and is shot off into the sky. Starfire flies off after him. Robin, Beast Boy, and Raven try to stop it, but uh, Raven and Beast Boy are taken out pretty quickly, and that leaves Robin by himself, and uh, it does not go well for Robin. Yeah, he's ready to face down Mammoth, and uh, Mammoth does this sort of superpower thing thing that superpowered giant, uh, strong men do where he clasps <laughs> his hands together and breaks up all of the concrete, uh, forcing Robin to fall, uh, apparently to his death, unsure, uh, as they're unable to, to locate him, there's sort of a cliffhanger commercial break. And then we flash back to Titan's tower where, uh, we, we learn that, uh, uh, Cyborg and and Starfire, who uh, were sort of jettisoned off in the middle of the fight, uh, show up, show back up to the tower, uh, certainly ready to hear about the defeat of the hive and how how they ended up uh, overcoming these this hive of villainy and. Unfortunately, not only are they greeted with the fact that they didn't quite uh, wave the victory flag, but uh, that in the process that uh, all that was recovered from the from the sewers was Robin's utility belt. And uh, from there, things kind of go from bad to worse as uh, very shortly thereafter, uh, as they're sort of coming to grips with the, the idea that Robin may not, uh, may not be around anymore. Uh, The hive uh, shows up right at Titans tower and, and pretty handedly uh, takes care of the Titans. Uh, There's an initial uh, initial uh, back and forth, but at some point uh, Gizmo hacks into cyborg systems and is able to actually detach one of his arms and, uh, pretty much at that point, the Titans are ousted from their own tower, uh, leaving them uh, kind of running away with their tails between their legs almost. And uh, it is at this moment that uh, after, after being uh, overcome by the, the, a wave and washing up on a shore, they look back and see that their T their tower, the Titan tower, has been transformed into a giant H now standing for the Hive. And uh, from there, the, the hive sort of gets to bask in their apparent victory over the Titans. and the Titans sort of uh, sort of wonder aloud how in the world they're going to recover from this now that Robin is gone and they've, they've been unable to overcome this group of, of dastardly villains. Yeah, I mean, Cyborg's really ready to just throw in the towel. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> and to be fair, he did have his arm he did lose an arm. And uh, and they did get their butts kicked twice. But uh, yeah, the, the team is in shambles. And, and finally, Robin sort of comes back into frame. So uh, who else never wants to go surfing again? Not now, man. Hey, I was just trying to. Perhaps I could be of some assistance. I got it. But you are so damaged and... I got it! Hey, she only wanted to help. What is your problem? What do you think? We got kicked out of our house, a pint-sized poindexter took me for a joyride, and in case you haven't noticed, I just became left-handed! Enough! We need to control our emotions. Or what? Our bad vibes will keep you from meditating? I wish Robin were here. Well, he's not! Don't you guys get it? They won, we lost! It's over! Then, the Teen Titans are finished? Not yet. Not if I can help it. They do make a point of him losing his utility belt uh, after uh, after the initial fight. And so I guess you can say he didn't have any gadgets, didn't have a radio to call the Titans to let them know he was alive. So he was just like, walking (laughs) back to the tower for the last couple of hours or however much time was couldn't hitchhike. Nobody would give Robin a a ride. Yeah, apparently didn't have a didn't have any money for a pay phone or anything. So, <laughs> yeah, it's 2003. So no Ubers are around, probably. Right. So it's, it's not not available necessarily to do that. But geez, Louise, man, yeah, so he he did a nice brisk uh, jog like like Burt Ward Robin before him, I guess, back to the tower. And uh, yeah, and then he. he they, uh, they regroup and we get our sort of final act there as uh, Cyborg is able to remote control his arm into sort of hacking into the tower, setting off a bunch of crazy defenses and grabbing Gizmo and shooting, shooting off. And the arm flies and brings Gizmo up through the ventilation system outside. Meanwhile, Raven uh, grabs Jinx and uh, a mysterious green bolt of energy knocks Mammoth into an elevator. And so the, the hive are now kind of the tables have been turned. The hive are sort of off their game. They don't know what's happening and the Titans have regrouped. And, and we have one kind of big climactic fight this time. The Titans are very much taking a page out of what the hive did to them earlier, catching them off guard and working together to, uh, to sort of keep the hive off balance and, and protect each other. And they are able to pretty soundly defeat the hive this time and, uh, at that point, Gizmo uh, is ready to throw in the towel himself and uh, says that he's going to make make a call to Slade. And then that's sort of the uh, the finale of our episode here is uh, Robin Robin asks, who is Slade?" And that's sort of the end of the uh, the scene and, and we, we get a little bit more as the uh, the headmistress of the Hive Academy is apologizing to Slade for, for the failure of the Hive and, and Slade reveals that actually he never really expected the Hive to destroy the Teen Titans and that it was more about sending a message and that message has been received. I assure you such failures are not tolerated within the Hive. Once the agents have been retrieved from the authorities, they will be disciplined. Strictly disciplined. Actually, your agents served my plans quite well. I never expected them to succeed. They were merely messengers, and the message has been received. Who is slain? 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 Who is is slain? And uh, that leads us to our our nice little quiet like family sitcom ending as cyborg fine finally finds the remote and they they're sort of all talking about how yeah i guess we should be out there looking for clues and trying to figure out who Slade is and robin says yeah we'll we'll do all of that but right now it's just nice to be together and they they literally they they do a kind of a fourth wall breaking thing where robin presses the button on the remote and uh, our tv goes off so it's a it's a very like quirky sitcom way to end the episode for real yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of quirkiness i would say quirky is probably the word that best describes this uh, this episode of this show so uh, I, I guess we can get into our our plot scores here uh liam this is uh this is this is an interesting one because it definitely is a lot of a lot of action i feel like it's it's lighter on the plot and and more on the action piece itself um, and, and and a lot of the the time that we spend uh, with the groups, both the hive and the titans, is spent uh, them fighting each other battling each other so it's there's a little less actual story being told here it does move very quickly the titans are defeated they're kind of left on this you know shore as we mentioned and then before you know it they're ready to take on the hive again and as long as they have robin they're you know they're regrouping and ready to figure out how to soundly defeat them this time so um it feels like it's a lot of high versus Titans for the episode itself with kind of sandwiched in between these two Slade scenes. Uh, so with that, it's, there's not a lot that's, that's being told here. We, we learn a little bit about the characters themselves. As I said, we've learned a little bit about their roles on the team, their general kind of personalities and uh, maybe some, mm-hmm. some things about them, but it's not, there's not a whole lot. Uh, done for this series other than, hey, let's have a quick little 22-minute little fight scene. It's the the equivalent of just kind of like, banging your action figures together for you know for 15 minutes and then being like oh yeah uh, and this is why these guys are fighting like this is this is why and this is all part of this bigger plan that we're laying the groundwork for which i appreciate um because i you know i'm not sure if you mentioned it we we definitely talked about it before we went on the air but you mentioned that this show is absolutely skewed towards a little a, a younger audience it is not uh, the Justice League or Batman the Animated Series age range necessarily. It's skewed a little bit younger, uh, which we'll talk about in visuals certainly and and some of the other uh, choices that they went with the show. But um, yeah, overall, I, I think it's fine uh, as far as Uh, you know, episode premieres or, you know, series premieres. Mm. Um, Sometimes it's hard because you do have a lot to juggle Uh, this one. It feels like the opposite was, was happening. You know, you didn't have a whole lot of groundwork to lay other than these sort of basic team roles. And even that I didn't feel as, completely laid out all the way. So maybe it's suffering from the fact that this wasn't necessarily supposed to be the, the, the series premiere and just ended up being slotted in that position. I'm not sure. Um, It's, it's okay. It's a big bowl of okay. In my, in my opinion. So for that reason, I gave it a six out of 10. What about you? Yeah. I went with the exact same score a six out of 10. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was something that struck me. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit in voice acting later too. Uh, the roles and sort of the character archetypes of these characters were so clear in my mind, having been such a big fan of the series, that it, it's hard to remember that. Yeah, a lot of that character development came later on, towards even towards the end of the first season, certainly. But then, certainly in the in the subsequent four seasons that came after that, um, there there weren't they weren't maybe quite as uh, clearly defined at this point beyond some sort of basic stuff like. Raven being very stern and and uh, and Cyborg being a little bit of a hot head and and Starfire being a bit naive and things like that. There's certainly those those basic elements there, but this is a, they're still at this point in the in the series. Whether this is whether you watch this as the first episode or the third episode, we're still kind of a, a little ways away from really sort of uh, ironing out who these characters are. So. Yeah, I, I I think there's it's still fun, and this this episode in particular, and this this series as a whole, like I said, has a lot of deep deep nostalgia roots. Like I I watched this uh, you know just a few hours before we recorded this episode, uh, which is live, of course. Uh, so always live. Played hours ago. That's right. Always live. But uh, but uh, and I I remembered like every scene, almost every action beat, like. Like it was just, it's just, I watched this episode so many times. I I had it on videotape, plus it would air in reruns all the time. And uh, for whatever reason, the kids WB versions of, of when they would air the show, this one was, was always, always on. So I, uh, I remember it deeply and I have a lot of fondness for it on that level. But as an episode, like I said, like you said, it it does have those bookended Slade moments to let you know that there's this, Sinister puppet master working, uh, you know, working behind the scenes. But uh, as a standalone episode, yeah, it's it's a little light. It's a little, it's pretty fluffy as far as uh, what it actually what it actually does to uh, to deepen the the character motivations and such. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which will be the visual and animation for this week's episode. So uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, the anime Eastern animation style here, and I know they they dubbed this. Uh, Gave it its own brand because it's not it's not one to one, not straight up uh, Eastern anime. It's not a it's not a Yu-Gi-Oh, it's not a last airbender. It's not a, you know, attack on Titan, whatever your name, your favorite anime. Uh, to watch but uh, there's definitely some heavily heavily influenced uh, different aspects to the animation and uh, whether it's character reactions that you know the characters general shape and of their faces and eyes uh, some of the the way that they uh, sort of there's not flash scenes, but scenes where they'll talk, and suddenly there's miniature versions of themselves <laughs> on the screen, uh, sort of acting out whatever it is they're describing. Uh, there's several different things that that occur that that lets you know that this is a very different type of animation uh, that we're typically used to with with the series that we've covered thus far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they, this was sort of dubbed uh, as you mentioned as a uh, murakame. Ah, uh, this American and uh, fusion of of both American and uh, and Eastern animation styles. Uh, you know, Glen Murakami talked about how, yes, obviously the the anime stuff is is very much in there. Things like Akira, things like Dragon Ball Z, but at the same time, you know, a, a deep, you know, almost as much of an influence was things like Tech, Tex Tech Avery or 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 Chuck Jones or some of those earlier Looney Tunes cartoons. And I think you see that, and it is really a melding of that style of of that eastern anime style and of, you know, the the DC, you know, Warner Brothers animation style. So, it really does it really is it's completely its own subgenre of of animation and and it really makes this show have a really unique flavor to it. And I think you see that in the character designs. Um, I remember reading an interview with with Murakami where he thought whereas, you know, Batman the animated series had this sort of alternate uh, 30s or 40s look to it he sort of saw the the teen titan show as having this sort of alternate 50s look to it and i think you see that more in other episodes but i think you can even see that when they're in the city and there's sort of the architecture and the design of the cars and some of the background act uh background character models you see it's sort of this uh yes yeah, it's, it's sort of a it's a very clean and a little bit sleeker but still sort of has this sort of retro feel to uh some of the designs some of the backgrounds and and then you, and then you get some really wacky stuff like uh when it comes to the actual animation like uh you mentioned there's the scene where they're fighting in the tower and then they're all sort of thrown out of the tower and the tower is literally like dancing and bouncing as, and then sort of spits all of the Titans out of it before they, uh they all land on the, in the water. Like it's, it's a very, very silly and, and, and sort of wacky moment. Yeah. And that, that was definitely something that I had noted as man, that that's straight out of a Looney Tune, you know, it, 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 bottles up and then all of a sudden spits out all the Titans onto the, uh, into the water. Very, very, uh, very, very emphatically. So uh, yeah, that was definitely something. Uh, I also had some notes here with the architecture, you know, the, the very first scene where they go to the restaurant, it's very cute. There's a, sort of this uh, overhead shot of the restaurant where they're sitting on this deck and it, you know, with the, with the tables and chairs on, on the uh, deck itself, it resembles a slice of pizza. So uh, you have, have some, some cute winks and nods uh, as you're watching the episode there. Uh, uh, of course, as we mentioned, there's lots of fun to be had, uh, you know, whether it is with that Eastern style of animation, but even beyond that, uh, we mentioned there's a, scene where Gizmo hacks Cyborg, causing him to detach one of his arms. Uh, He later mounts it in the tower after the hive is taken over and uh, he uses... Uh, uses it as a trophy to celebrate their victory over the Titans. But meanwhile, uh, Cyborg actually hacks back into his own arm. And so there's, we get the scene where the arm itself is just walking around spying on the the hive uh, throughout the tower and hacking into the Titans own systems in order to, uh, you know, to to freak the hive out. So uh, there's, there's definitely some fun, Uh, Fun there, I I think, as far as the character models are concerned, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about the way that the the Titans themselves look a little bit, Um, you know, these the the designs themselves, while having that that flair from Eastern animation, for the most part, uh, Beast Boy resembles uh, pretty spot on to what he looked like in the comics. Uh, in that that uh, I guess that late 80s, 90s run, uh, changed up his colors a little bit. But generally speaking, he he resembles uh, what what you might imagine uh, that that famed Teen Titans run from the late 70s and 80s. Uh, uh, if if he was placed into more modern animation, uh, Raven also adapted a little bit with with the gray skin, um, but generally speaking, you know her black her her giant uh, her giant purple hood with the black unitard underneath of it, and and then you get Starfire who also uh, has definitely been uh, been uh, made to look a little bit more modest than she has probably in past. Uh, iterations which is a okay by me uh generally speaking she uh has certainly covered up and looks a little bit more uh i would say youth group appropriate at this point <laughs> and then uh cyborg i think is actually a lot of fun because he was always somebody that despite being such an interesting character that that 80s uh, George Perez style. I, I didn't love the way that he kind of had these like he had bare thighs that would hang out and it was just also felt kind of awkward. Uh this one feels like a he feels like a giant robot, uh, you know, with some human parts added to it. So he feels a lot like more like a machine than than a classic uh than a classic DC iteration of this this guy plus he's got those kind of bright blue highlights all over him that yeah. that that, that to kind of detail the the uh interworkings of of the technology in him and then then robin is your pretty standard 90s uh almost tim drake looking costume here i i think we eventually get confirmed that this is Dick Grayson, if I'm not, yes. if I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken here, but he's definitely in that, that nineties, uh, Tim Drake style costume, which again, pants on, on teen superheroes, uh, two thumbs up for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the, at the time, I certainly remember there being some debate because he was in the very much the Norm Bray Fogle, Neil Adams, Robin suit. And he had the bow staff and and certainly appeared to be modeled after the Tim Drake Robin, but uh, yeah. This is this is 100% the the Dick Grayson Robin. The the sort of the big design change, other than just the reds and the greens, is you have uh he has like these big steel-toed boots. Um, but uh, but yeah, otherwise it's pretty much a, a straight sort of adaptation of that classic Robin suit into animation. Yeah, I I like the cyborg suit too. And there's something that. I think a lot of the more modern cyborg looks uh, in movies in, in, and in the comics miss is that he there's a difference between an Android and a cyborg. Mm-hmm. Uh, android is a full robot. Cyborg is part human, part robot. And I like that, like he has, a, he still has some skin showing uh, mm-hmm. like, and he still feels like even if he's, you know, 80% metal by this point, that there is still a man in there and that's certainly a theme that comes up several times throughout the show as they're developing his character um is his sort of struggle to feel human despite uh, you know having so much hardware uh wired into him but yeah so i i love the cyborg design especially um i think i think the rest of the designs are are good uh that that purple and black uh, motif of beast boy was kind of a a departure from the, the red and white suit that he had worn for most of the, uh, the time he had been in the, the new teen Titans run. But uh, that was, this is another show that uh, like Batman, the animated series, like Superman and justice league went on to influence uh, the, the comics with which it was based on. So a lot of these looks ended up getting adapted into the comics later on. Uh, from this show. So yeah, that's that's there's a lot of cool stuff in the design. I like, I like the hive characters. Uh Jinx in the comics is is like a uh she's like bald and is look more like a uh you know has more like I guess like a mystical look to her in this version. She's just kind of she's more of like a weird like anime pixie girl. <laughs> I guess yeah. like for lack of a better term she's she has white skin and this bright pink hair and and uh, Gizmo in the comics is uh, is actually an, an adult man. Uh, he's a dwarf, but he is he's an adult. So uh, making him a kid, I think, is 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 certainly a, a fun choice there. And then you kind of have just Mammoth, as you said, just being a sort of archetypal big, strong, dumb guy, um, and and that works works well for him. Some of the scenes where he's eating all of the moldy food and stuff, I thought were pretty funny and uh, the, the scene where Gizmo is, is hacking cyborg and is sort of running around. There's like some interesting work where you don't even quite see what's going on. You just see like Cyborg's shadow and he's, he's sort of yelling and running back and forth and and he's, the arm shoots off in there. I, th- I think there's some, there's some fun stuff in that final battle too, from when, uh, the, the arm ties Gizmo up and flies him up through the vents to, uh, <clears throat> when the the utility belt kind of goes flying through the air and robin catches it and we get like our hero poses of all the titans standing together and then that final battle as the titans kind of come together and 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 fight the hive on on their terms is i think really fun with sort of all five of the titans uh, taking out mammoth at the end i think that's a fun bit and and yeah I, i think there's a lot of fun stuff here and i really like the the atmosphere of slade's lair it's Almost entirely in shadow and for a show that otherwise is super, super bright. I think those scenes really stand out because they're so dark and really the only color, especially when Slade is talking, is you see his his one eye and you see a little bit of the orange hue of his helmet, but that's kind of it. Yeah, those scenes were done really, really well. I, you know, some of the backgrounds also kind of had that dot fill look of a comic book panel from like the '80s, which I absolutely loved. Uh, it was very subtle in the background, but it was, you know, I'm I'm sure it was very intentional, uh, given given the uh, given the subject and the the original material here. But in you know, I, I think those scenes. Uh, since that is the the main thread that is being being set up for the rest of the series here made those scenes seem very impactful you knew that they were different there was an important reason for you to pay attention there's the dark ominous feel uh, of the scenes because of the shadow work and and then because things did look differently you really it really makes this guy feel like all right who is this guy who is Slade? who is the who is the, you know, Robin's asking that question, but at the same time as the viewer, you're also asking, all right, who is this? Who is this Slade person and why should we care about him? Who is he? Why is he, you know, why is he sending this group to uh, attempt to, up you know, defeat the Titans or what type of message is he sending? And all of that is communicated very well through the visuals. And as we'll talk about in just a second, the voice performance as well, but uh, yeah, I, I think I, I'm not a fan typically of the more Eastern animation style. I think we've talked about that before. I've certainly grown accustomed to it because it's definitely more prevalent, especially in the DC uh, direct-to-video movies and, you know, uh, uh, more modern animation tends to be a a little bit more heavily influenced by that. Um, So I've grown to appreciate it. It's not my first choice. It's not my first love uh, when it comes to animation itself, but I can appreciate it. One of the, One of the two of the things that I noticed is there's a there's a scene where initially Robin is facing off against Gizmo and the the initial battle that they have. And there's this sort of uh, uh, pan that happens that, you know, the camera is 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 set behind uh, gizmo and it sort of shifts a little bit and pans and the characters stay in place, but the background sort of shifts giving in this sort of pan 3d style. And they did that a couple of times, characters jumping across the screen. The backgrounds were designed to look like the, that they were moving, but they were actually static. Uh, so it, the character moving made it look like they were moving faster or they were, you know, leaping across a certain section. Um, so I loved that. And one of the things that I really liked was when Raven appeared in 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 a couple of the scenes Uh, there was a literal shadow of a of a Raven itself that appears before she sort of materializes in her human form so you get this little dark shadow that pops up as a as a bird silhouette and then all of a sudden she appears out of it so uh, some good transition stuff some really neat neat visuals and and stuff that caught Mm -hmm. my eye there Um, with that said again not my favorite animation style it did feel like there was a lot of a lot of punching and kicking that was done here. But at the same time, I think because it's a probably a a TV Y seven rating here in the, in the U S you know, geared towards a younger audience, there wasn't as much, quote unquote violence is that you would see on on one of the standard dcau shows even uh, a lot of white flashes coming across you know seeing guys hands come back and then a white flash or people about to collide and then you see a, a you hear them collide off screen or you know something that that sort of uh, gives you the impression of violence without actually showing it uh with all that said i think there's enough here to certainly enjoy uh so i ended up giving visuals a seven out of ten what about you yeah, I went just a tick higher. I went 8 out of 10. I don't know if the show later on, if there was any uh, like conscious redesigns or if this is just sort of a, a, a different animation team than they used. Uh, this was Dong Wu animation. But I, I did feel like, uh, I think especially Cyborg and Beast Boy and even Raven do a little bit, they didn't like look exactly how I remembered them looking and whether or not that's just my brain playing tricks on me or... Or if or if it's just the the models were changed a little bit, or if this is just a different animation team than I was used to, I yeah, there's definitely some things where where I think you like like we've been saying, there's there's we know where it's going because we have the the benefit of hindsight, being able to know where the rest of the show goes and some of this stuff gets uh, ironed out and fixed or or tweaked slightly to improve it. But yeah, there was a little bit with with I think almost all of the Titans where it's like it's they they tweaked some of this a little bit and. And uh, and I think I think that shows that this still being a a pretty early episode. But yeah, overall, I think the action, especially in some of those really unique color palettes and stuff in the in the Slade scene, certainly that's uh, that still gives it a very strong eight out of 10. Absolutely. It's uh, it's also hard because your mind plays tricks on you, because obviously Uh, sort of a derivative of this and certainly uh, using the same voice and characters and a lot of the same stuff as the teen Titans go show that has now been on for, you know, umpteen years (laughs) and is always on Cartoon Network and that you and I, although not always a popular opinion uh, amongst fans, love, uh, love and and appreciate teen Titans go, but it's hard sometimes because, you know, I was expecting, you know, Raven, as we'll talk about in her voice acting, you know, Tara Strong's voice is definitely her portrayal of Raven is completely different in this uh, episode, perhaps even later on in the the series itself to, to what we end up getting in, in Teen Titans Go. So, yeah, there's could be some some definitely some uh, some mind tricks happening there, too. So we'll, we'll be interested to see when we uh, review more of these uh, down the line. Moving on to our next category, Liam, which is going to be music. And I am going to say, with with the exception of uh, just the absolutely phenomenal earworm that is the theme song for this show, Uh, I'm going to have to say that the music felt weirdly out of place (laughs) for for the almost the entirety of the episode. I was expecting something very similar to what we got uh, for the the theme itself. Uh, Some of those high pitched sort of like almost like 60s sounding rock. And what we ended up getting, uh, there's a lot of weird piano and synth. It almost feels like they had an original soundtrack for this episode. And then when they uploaded it to YouTube, they got a copyright strike. So they had to swap it out for (laughs) like rights-free music instead. That's just kind of like general generic. Uh, So I, I, I was not really impressed. And I, it felt like there were times where the music maybe didn't even quite match the action that was happening on the screen. Uh, What, what did you think of, uh, of music for the, for the show? Yeah, it, it feels, I think I know especially there's like, there's like some, I think there's a little bit of guitar, uh in in the first battle scene when they're in, in the city. And then there's like a lot of organ brought in there and even like a little bit of horns. And it's like this really sort of, it felt like, like a Scooby-Doo or something, mm-hmm. like, where it's just like this very, it's like very frenetic and fast paced and they do bring in some guitar, um, but it's not. Uh, but it's not really what you would consider for for a show that has such strong, like Eastern anime influence. You would expect maybe some more like really rocked out guitar and and really dramatic, uh, you know, fast paced drums and and things like that. And we don't really get that. It's sort of this this very, uh, yeah, I guess a very like fifties like 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 sock hop rock <laughs> music like. It's very it's very sort of this like very sort of soft fifties rock and roll vibe to it with like this organ and and uh, and a little bit of guitar mixed with that piano and some really sort of uh, a little bit more basic drumming. Uh, Michael McQuistian, of course, is a veteran of all of these d c animated shows uh, did did the music here. and yeah, this this one in particular, I feel, has a very uh, yeah, very unique soundtrack to it i think especially in earlier in the episode i think towards the end when they're having that final uh, battle scene they bring in more of the electric guitar and and the and the drums are a little bit harder and and they're sort of punctuating it with the ju-ju, ju-ju, uh, towards the end there when they're sort of delivering these final blows to, to mammoth and stuff so i think it picks up there but yeah it's definitely a little bit of an odd vibe it's not a lot of strings nor is it a lot of the sort of more hard rock batman beyond or, or jlu music it's sort of this very weird like and i guess maybe it was trying to match the the aesthetic of the show where it's sort of this weird like yeah, you know, like i said i like keep coming back to like 50s like like, uh, you know sock hot. like you're going to a, a dance you're going to the prom at the in like 1950 in like uh, back to the future or something like it's got this really like weird weird like there's like organ constantly just playing and playing with the drums and the guitar and stuff it's weird yeah it weird is I think the word of the day for the music it's and and maybe it's just uh you know I'm Uh, because the theme is is so the theme song is so unique in the way that it sounds and the way that they use uh, i I guess it's organ that's that's used as as the the prominent uh prominent instrument, organ or synthesizer that's used in the prompt for the prominent uh part of the theme song for the melody but it it just didn't didn't quite match up there's a point where there's like drums over synth with piano also mixed into it when they're when they're doing the initial battle in the city between the hive and the titans and it i was just like man this is a little distracting like this doesn't this doesn't match what i feel like the the what i'm experiencing watching this like it just didn't it didn't quite match up to me and i i, I maybe 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 You know, maybe it's just the episode itself. Maybe this changes. You know, I I don't remember the music necessarily being that off um but i I, maybe also in my head i was thinking that it would it would match a little bit more closer to uh things that we've seen in the batman animated uh series the you know the the one that also took place on on kids wb that i had more of that rock interludes that would just kind of show up and i was expecting some of that instead that would that would play into it but yeah there it was at times it just felt very weird uh, weird's the word of the day um so mm-hmm. for all all those reasons i ended up giving music a a five out of ten for this week what about you yeah i want a dick higher i went six out of ten um i i still like I, there's parts like i said i think the music towards the end is is better and and more appropriate i even i even kind of like the it, they have this like really soft uh uh, like piano music behind when they're when they're introducing the hive right at the start of the episode where there's this voiceover sort of explaining their various powers and everything and they're showing them doing all this dramatic and destructive stuff but it has this like really soft like you know uh, intro video that you would maybe see if you were watching a, a video at school or something so I, I appreciated that that touch in the music as well and of course the theme song which was uh, which was written by uh, Andy Sturmer and uh, obviously performed by the uh, the Japanese pop duo of Puffy Ami Yumi who actually eventually got their own cartoon uh, on Cartoon Network but uh, yeah that's uh, that's that that theme song alone I think is gonna bump it over 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 to a six for me but uh, yeah there's stuff I like but the yeah, I think the middle part of the episode is just uh, it's just it's like like we've been saying kind of weird kind of quirky. All right, Liam, let's move on to our final category for today, which is going to be our voice acting. And, of course, we have a brand new cast of characters, a few voices who actually we've talked about in the last couple of weeks that we might recognize maybe a DCAU veteran or two that you might uh, also recognize and uh, a cast of characters that will go on to be uh, kind of the defining voices for some of these characters uh, moving forward. So let's talk about today's voice cast, shall we? Absolutely. Lots of names we've talked about before, but obviously in new roles uh, in our villains cast, we do have uh, briefly the voice director and casting uh, agent herself, Andrea Romano, playing the, the Hive Head Mistress it was fun to hear her have a little cameo there. But uh, we have, of course, Lauren Tom playing both Gizmo and Jinx, who, of course, is the voice of... Uh, She Who Deserves Better, uh, Dana on Batman (laughs) Beyond and a million other uh, voice acting roles to her credit. But uh, her her playing, I think she she really gets to show her uh, sort of stretch her legs and show off her talent because Jinx and uh, Jinx and Gizmo do not sound anything alike in this episode. And obviously Gizmo is a little boy and uh, Lauren Tom is not. (laughs) so uh, she she really gets to kind of flex her muscles and show off her talent here yeah, she does a great job. It's, I mean, no surprise, uh, she gets cast frequently for various different animation roles. Certainly, as you mentioned, uh, her role as Dana is certainly uh, one of the bit better parts and, and bigger bigger uh, parts to play in the Batman Beyond series. So uh, the fact, uh, we've talked about it a lot too, sometimes you have, a, have somebody that plays multiple voices on a show and uh, there are people that it's very easy to tell that it's just somebody else or it's one of the other characters, uh, one of the main characters, doing a different voice but for that for her to have to play now jinx has not a lot of dialogue in the episode but enough for you to to hear her voice and certainly gizmo has uh quite a lot of dialogue throughout the episode but yeah differentiating between the two of them uh, probably a lot of fun for her and uh certainly did a, did a really great job doing so And I like that sort of similarly to like uh, Lobo and Superman, the animated series, Gizmo has like weird made up curse words that mean nothing (laughs) that that he calls all of the Titans throughout the episode. I love it. It doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't really mean anything, but they, they sound, they sound naughty. Uh, But yeah, we have uh, her doing a great job there. And our other villain being uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, who we've talked about a million times on our show before, very talented voice actor all over the place and a million different shows and movies. And, and, uh, and yeah, here he is doing a pretty archetypal classic Kevin Michael Richardson voice playing. He's playing the big dumb goon and he's doing a good job. Yeah, perfectly uh, fine for what was asked of him. I would love would have loved to have seen him in a role that uh, allowed him to get some more of those acting chops out that we've seen in, in other roles. But uh, always nice to hear him uh, him coming through and hear him. Uh, I was kind of expecting him to give us a life lesson sort of when he plays, you know, Virgil's dad on on static. But uh, no life <laughs> lesson coming for Mammoth here other than maybe uh, don't count out the Titans, I guess. There you go. And then, of course, our, our final villain, we just get a little bit of, but uh, we do have, of course, the great, the great Ron Perlman as Slade, uh, just being the, the menacing man, literally in the shadows for the entire episode. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we get to see we get to see him uh, doing doing what he does sort of throughout this entire first season, just sort of just appear and then and, and, and test the Titans from afar and. Uh, for some uh, as yet unknown uh, diabolical reason. So he, it's a, it's a small sample size for him in this episode. He obviously gets a lot more to do later on in the season and in the series. But uh, very cool to have him as the the top bad guy. And as you mentioned, even though we're not using the Deathstroke name between the Slade name and that uh, the character design and, and and his voice, he's still still quite menacing. Well, Mr. Slade. Impressive, truly. However, robots and obstacle courses only prove so much. My plans demand operatives who can function in the real world. If your students are going to serve me, they'll have to pass one final exam. Destroy the Teen Titans, and then we'll talk. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that the guy that played Hellboy, obviously the guy that voiced Clayface on Batman the Animated Series uh, and has probably done a lot of other notable work, Sons of Anarchy, lots of other stuff mm-hmm. that he's been a part of. Uh, he's a really good actor, a very distinct voice. And uh, as far as playing a villain, um, him getting getting the opportunity in this to play the villain of the entire series pretty much here, the uh, the main overarching villain at least, uh, a great job, uh, definitely a, a defining voice. I think for this character specifically, I think if you're uh, if you're, if you were fan casting a Batman, the adventures continue TV series and you're looking to cast somebody as Deathstroke, I think that Ron Perlman might be the first person that you call up and say, Hey, how would you like to, uh, to voice uh, Deathstroke in, in Batman animated form? Because uh, he does a, he does a really fantastic job. Uh, you know, very recognizable, identifiable voice, but it's completely different than, you know, what you would hear out of Matt Hagen uh, as, as Clayface and, uh, you know, less theatrical, you know, way toned down and even in the, the little bit that we get to hear in this episode, but you can tell it's a little bit more understated, uh, which allows you to kind of see that this is going to be a menacing character that's a little bit more cerebral, a little, uh, somebody that's a little bit more calculated, uh, which is uh, obviously a huge makeup and a huge part of that that Deathstroke character, or should I say Slade character? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that will bring us to our main five voice actors. We have Greg Sipes as Beast Boy. And this was one of the ones, and I think like you said, Cal, part of this is maybe colored by me being maybe more recently hearing the voices in the, in the Teen Titans Go version of this show. And which are a little bit, obviously a, a lot looser, a lot more comedic. But uh, his voice, I think, even per this show, uh, he's not quite speaking in what became, I think, the normal Beast Boy voice. It's a little more pitched down and a little bit more reserved, and not quite as uh, certainly not quite as high pitched as he gets. I think even later in this series, much less the uh, the Teen Titans Go Run. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have as much to do here, and as you said, uh, certainly he is. He is. I mean, it's all comedy in Teen Titans Go, but he is—he is the main source of comedy, oftentimes on that show. So it's a lot more, uh, pun intended, animated in his delivery a lot of times for that show. So uh, having been more familiar and certainly more recently familiar with that show, it did feel like this was a way dialed down version of it. Um, there's there was less uh, less fun and games to be had in this episode, uh, with outside of the initial interaction between him and Cyborg looking for the remote and then they're bickering about what toppings to put on the pizza. But uh, yeah, I, I, I imagine there's probably a, an evolution of a lot of the way that these characters end up sounding from the, from the earlier episodes, uh, maybe throughout the, throughout the series. So it will be, again, something else to look forward to when, uh, when we hopefully cover some more of this down the line. Absolutely. And, and speaking of which we have Tara strong, of course, Batgirl herself, and uh, one or two other voices, uh, I think, in <laughs> animation across the way. But yeah, she's she's playing Raven here. And I, I think in the same way that I think Greg Sipes' Beast Boy is a little more pitched down or a little bit of a lower voice than than I'm used to. I think her voice is almost pitched up a little bit in a way that I think, even, again, even in the rest of this series, I think they they she's still in delivery a lot of on a lot of her her lines here, but it's, it feels like it's pitched. It's, it's pitched up. I don't know if it was artificially pitched up a little bit, I think, especially in that opening scene where she, where she and, and Cyborg are arguing over the remote. And a little bit later when, when she and Beast Boy are, are talking in the tower once, once Robin has disappeared. But again, like it's just one of those things where I'm, I, I think you compare this to maybe the moments I remember most from the series being in say season three or four of the show and, and here she is, obviously this was still in, you know, third in production order. So everybody's still certainly finding their footing, but I, I, you know, again, she, none of the, none of the Titans really have uh, a ton to do, but her perhaps least of all in this episode has, she doesn't get uh, much to do here, but obviously she's, uh, you know, she's again, the, the Raven voice. So there's uh there's, there's, you can still absolutely tell it's her and that, that she's sort of begun to make this character her own. Yeah. We don't even get an Azerometrion Zinthos for this episode. Right. right Uh, That uh, not not uh, not a lot for her to do here. There's more more visuals than I think anything for her and uh, totally agree with you that uh, better better work lies ahead for this character, certainly. And uh, yeah, it was it definitely did not quite sound uh, like the the more modernized version of, uh, of this voice that she tends to. Tends to bring to the table. So uh, I'm sure, again, an evolution of voice uh, acting uh, from if you listen to some of those uh, early, if you watch season one or two of The Simpsons uh, versus what The Simpsons voices are nowadays, you'll also notice quite the evolution between the two of them. So it's not an uncommon practice for things early on uh, to not quite sound uh, as they would later on when characters were a little bit more fleshed out. So uh, totally, totally agree with you. We have uh, Hinden Walsh as Starfire, and uh, she might be the one that I feel sounds the most like how I expected her to sound. Yeah, uh, I don't she, I... she seems to have kind of been pretty right on the money with what what she wanted and, and what maybe Andrea Romano wanted as as the voice director, pretty much right out of the gate. There's maybe, maybe the tone changes a little bit, obviously when her character is fleshed out a little bit more and she's not just the sort of comedic naive girl but I think as far as the main voice most of her delivery was pretty much exactly how I remembered it Yeah, the line with her talking about the pizza toppings, I think, stood out as, okay, this sounds like it definitely could have come straight from Teen Titans Go. Like, yeah, absolutely. Can we please just order something? As long as it's vegetarian. Come on, man. How can you deny me the all-meat experience? Dude, I've been most of those animals. I suggest a large pizza with pickles, bananas, and mint frosting. Uh, Starfire, not everything on the menu is a pizza topping. There was not um, a whole lot of difference. And uh, again, I think as the defining voice for this version of this character, not uh, she's not the naive, naive uh, innocent uh, character in the comics necessarily, or perhaps in other uh, versions of this character. But for this version of this character, uh, I think the defining voice. 100%. And uh, that will bring us to our last two Titans here. We have Kari Payton as Cyborg, who probably has the most to do of of any of our Titans in this episode. Uh, uh, It's a lot of yelling, a lot of uh, (laughs) a lot of exclamations and and reacting to sort of wacky stuff that's happening. But I think he also he and uh, he and Beast Boy's various arguments and again, something that would become a hallmark of this show and, and the next show their uh, their sort of buddy, buddy cop uh dynamic, and, and them sort of always arguing. It also has maybe my favorite line, which is when they're arguing over toppings and cyborg suggests pepperoni, and Beast Boy again asserts that he's a vegetarian and won't eat meat, and <laughs> cyborg just yells, There's no meat and pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> Double pepperoni. I'm not eating meat. No meat and pepperoni like so it was just this sort of cut off line in the middle of an argument and they cut to the to the hive or whatever but i just i just that line really got me that that one stuck with me uh all these years later but uh yeah i i again he's the we don't uh, we don't get the booyah yet we don't uh, like you said we didn't we didn't get any of the sort of the, the classic catchphrases although we do get uh, we do get one titans go from uh, from robin and but we don't uh, yeah this is still as you can say this is still definitely early on everybody's still finding their feet and that will bring us to robin of course uh, scott menville playing the role uh much more toned down and and serious and sort of just the the no-nonsense leader, but uh, you know, still, still a kind, nice guy in in the show. That they they kind of get that across, I think, in the final scenes. But know, yeah, overall, I think our our voice cast you can you can definitely tell it's early on in the series. But uh, I think everybody does their roles pretty well. Yeah, I think. I'm sh- I'm sure. In fact, we know that as this series sort of defined what it was going to go for, when things get a little bit more serious, especially in the later seasons, you have certainly more acting range. When you know there's there's episodes where Cyborg is the focus, and as you mentioned, there's this struggle between his own humanity, and then we have Robin who's who's battling with uh, you know trying to to defeat Slade and figure out who Slade is, and suffering defeat from Slade, and then. Uh, you know of course the Red X character that's brought in and, and leaves you hanging and then of course you also have uh, you know the, the whole uh, Trigon and, and Raven storyline so there's a lot more fleshing out of these characters uh, and who could forget Beast Boy and Terra of course that that come into play later on as well so you have a lot of, lot of opportunities for these characters to flex beyond just the initial comedic quipping uh, and and maybe, maybe just sort of standard dialogue that they were able to kind of get in this episode so uh, obviously we know that there's a lot more coming from them Uh, also uh, I think we'd be remiss not to mention uh, you can also hear this entire cast uh, the same five five voices if you check out our review of Wild Cards uh, back in the archives at dcaureview.com mm-hmm. because the, this whole cast ended up playing the Royal Flush Gang in that episode uh, of, of Justice League so uh, some dcau uh, performances across the board here so yeah i, I think there's a lot more coming uh, ahead of these uh, these this entire cast Uh, They are all in their roles for specific reasons and and would eventually, I think, become the defining voices. And there's a reason why they were then recast again. And uh, as these same characters in Teen Titans go and, uh, you know, continue to be on on millions of television sets every uh, every year uh, for for the next generation to enjoy. So uh, for all that, all those reasons, you know, I didn't think there was a particular uh, particularly strong performance, uh, maybe outside of of Cyborg uh, and some of the some of the uh, opportunity that he gets to sort of mull over the uh, the defeat and and coming you know coming back from. Being jettisoned to to uh, you know realizing that they they didn't defeat the hive and then having to deal with the disappointment and trying to figure out how they're going to survive without Robin. Um, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot I felt like voice cast wise that was uh, that blew me away. But still, I th- I think a strong enough score of seven out of ten for this week for me. What about you? <laughs> and not a big surprise, but I am in total agreement with you. I settled on the exact same score of a seven out of ten. No, there's not like a, a super standout moment, but it's just a ton of talented voice actors. And uh, like we said, they're still finding their footing as far as our main cast goes, but uh, still still everybody, uh, you know fulfills their roles quite well for what's asked of them in this episode. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to. Oh, that is. Uh, that's that's the bonus point sound here, and uh, that means that uh, one of us is about to assign a bonus point to this uh, to this dear episode here, and that would be me, at least. Uh, I cool. am I am throwing in a bonus point here. Uh, we talked about it briefly, uh, but I I don't know of a better theme song. Uh, Than the Titans team Titans theme song like I, I let, let's talk here for the style of show that it is for the the atmosphere setting. Uh, they do the, the, the cold open generally or, you know, the open of the show and then you get the you get the breakdown into the theme song. So you get the first 60 seconds to kind of give you a preview of what the episode's going to be. And then the theme generally comes in. And it, as soon as you hear the first note of that song, you know, like, man, I. I'm in this, I'm ready to do this. Like, you know, exactly what you're about to watch. Um, It defines, it defines the entire, entire series. Um, It's played again for the credits. So, or a a truncated version of it is played for the the credits and um, it's just written incredibly well. I think the visuals also for the actual, uh, the, the actual intro um, it's not a clip show. It's all pretty much original animation with, you know, characters coming across the screen and, we even have some live-action footage of real animals behind Beast Boy that come in, and um, it's the, the the title itself is just done really really well, instantly memorable, an earworm as I mentioned that you know it's going to be stuck in your head. When when we posted it this week on our social media, man, I must have listened to it probably like ten times <laughs> straight. It's just so so good, gets stuck in your head. The lines are written so well, and then of course we have we have this version, and then we have the alternate version that's sung in Japanese also. Uh, so, you know, you have two different versions of the same song. Don't ask me to sing it in Japanese, but I could sing it in English. Uh, it's, it's really strong. I, th- I think that it itself defines a lot of what this show Um, you know, ended up being and, and it's influenced certainly Eastern animation influence. And uh, it, like I said, it kind of gives you a a sort of 60 spy movie type feel when you're between the music and then the titles matched over top of it. Um, So it's, it sets the tone really for the show that you're about to watch and kind of gets you pumped. Yeah, no, it's, it definitely has. I think even the guitar, guitar riff that you hear is, even a little bit based on a uh, secret agent, man, the uh, mm-hmm. song by, I believe, Johnny rivers. There's a very similar uh, uh, rhythm or, or melody to that, to that song. And uh, yeah, definitely totally, it totally fits with that sort of uh, again, that sort of throwback, uh, like you said, 60s spy, you know, something that could have been in a, in a James Bond movie or something. It's, it's great, uh, but just sort of modernized and having that, that kid's anime feel to it thrown mixed with that style of music was uh, it was a really brilliant, brilliant course of action. And, uh, yeah. And I think, uh, the Puffy Ami Yumi do a, do a great job there. You know, the, the vocals are, are tremendous in the song. It's a very, a very epic show and, and the, the lyrics really, I think back that up. It's very exciting. I think, especially when you're a kid watching that it was, uh, it was always very exciting for me. So yeah, I love that as a bonus point. Never met a villain that they liked. That's right. That's the most important thing to remember. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to the point where we uh, talk about our final scores here. So uh, totaling everything up here. Uh, so with my bonus point out, uh, added here, I come up with a, a pretty middle of the road, 26 out of 40. What about you? Yeah. And I am, uh, I am just one point higher at a 27 out of 40 for, for my final score um yeah I, as as we get into our, our rewatchability chat here yeah i think this is one you have to watch um not only is it is it you know in some ways it's the opening to the series again depending on what watch order you go by but um either way it also includes the debuts of these hive characters that come back a hundred more times in the show and and uh, of course the you know uh, furthering that that Slade uh conspiracy and 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 furthering that storyline that that travels throughout the rest of this season. So yeah, this is an easy, and and it is a very easy watch. Like I said, it moves at a very fast pace. There's not a lot to it, but uh, I think, and again, this is another one that you can definitely throw on with the, you know, with, with the kids in the room. If you, if you, if you have younger kids, this is definitely, like we said, this was definitely geared towards younger children when it first debuted. And, and I think that that shows it's very fast paced. I think it'll, it's fun. And I think it'll, it'll hold their attention. Certainly absolutely lots of bright colors lots of fun uh and if they're at all familiar with the teen titans go show they'll uh they'll probably it'll fit in just like a glove at that point absolutely Uh, yeah uh have have they released this on blu-ray yet i think there was a blu-ray release okay Okay. all right all right i was gonna say i know it's on the wonderful hbo max app (laughs) Uh, but uh, it's also uh, yeah, if they've released it on Blu-ray, you know, you can pick this up. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a certainly one of those series that you would like likely want to have in a collection if you're uh, somebody that wants a hard copy of things, or maybe you don't want to subscribe to yet another streaming service. Uh, but yeah, I, I would agree with you. It's uh, it's important because it's the it's the pilot episode essentially. You know, you're introduced to Slade and uh, uh, ultimately you know this hive hive conglomeration that comes back uh, several times as you mentioned, and, and it gives you a little taste of the characters and you know a little bit about their roles even if it's not quite like this is this person's role this is this person's it kind of gives you a general idea uh how the how the series is going to go before these uh, characters are fleshed out so agreed All right, Liam. Well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. And believe it or not, the month of September here. Thank you all for tuning in and checking us out. Don't forget, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, uh, we're on uh, iHeartRadio. We're pretty much on any uh, any of the major podcast apps that you can think of. Uh, if you do subscribe to us on there already, thank you very much, first and foremost. Second of all, uh, if you're looking to help us out, we have a couple of ways that you could do that as a thank you. Uh, we would appreciate that. You could go ahead and leave us a review if your podcast app so allows you to do so. A five-star one would help us out a lot. And if you feel feel comfortable leaving a little uh, paragraph about what it is that you enjoy. About the show gives uh, potential listeners an idea of what they're headed uh, headed into as we uh, as we try and get more ears on the podcast as we always say. Uh, if you're also looking to support us in another way, you can also follow us on social media, and that will also benefit you because you'll get an idea of not only what our topics will be for the month we post clips we post uh you know upcoming episodes we you know all kinds of news about uh, stuff happening in both the dcau uh, world as well as uh, direct-to-video dc animation and so 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 much more Uh, you can follow us at dcau review on both instagram and twitter Also, uh, if you're looking to to throw a little little money our way, hold money, you say uh, you're feeling super generous. uh, Well, pick yourself up a shirt or a hat, maybe a mug at uh, at the the DCAU review uh, shop you can go over to dcaureview.com click on the shop tab it'll take you directly over to our store uh, and hey if you're feeling generous uh, pick yourself up a shirt there's uh, generally I will give you a, this life hack is uh, if you go and there's not a coupon uh, available wait wait a week or two and I bet you there'll be a coupon that uh, that pops up uh, probably not good for sales to from on my end to uh, tell you to wait to not spend your money if you're feeling the impulse <laughs> but uh, hey you know we we like to help people out here so yeah there's generally, generally. generally a lot of coupons that they put out there for free shipping or, you know, 20% off or something like that. So look for those uh, at the top of the screen. Also, Liam, you can subscribe to us on the pod tower on YouTube. Of course, uh, we share that channel with a couple of our friends from Watchtower Database, as well as Tim Talk, uh, fellow podcasts, and DCAU, DC Animation content up there. So uh, support us by going and subscribing to that channel. If you uh, if you like us, that helps us a lot. Like our videos. Our entire catalog is available both there and at dcaureviewed.com. All right, Liam, enough shilling. I think it's time that we begin talking about what we'll be covering in the next month, which is the month of Rocktober Uh, no we're not doing rock themed uh, episodes at least not that i'm aware of but we will be covering a new show that is right cal and next month for the month of october we will be returning to the one that started it all that's right we're returning to batman the animated series and uh, since we review all of those in order we are picking up right where we left off in the production order with a very memorable episode that being the mechanic Oh, love that one. Another one of those that uh, you think about you're like man this doesn't have uh, a flashy villain uh, this can't possibly be entertaining but uh, for my recollection is a uh, is a great story so looking forward to covering that one with you also don't forget uh, on uh, the same, our same podcast feed here you can check out our bonus episodes uh, we are covering the Batman and the Adventures Continue comic book series which just released its latest issue so you want to check out our review of that if you're interested uh, check that out lots of great stuff happening in the DCAU world and Liam cannot wait to jump back to our roots covering Batman the Animated Series next week. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios.